In the course of episode production, especially for a pilot conspiracy, we initially had hesitation when covering topics. Our pilot put a focus on conspiracies that came off as incredibly surface level. It was through our choices as members of the production team, as well as heeding advice from concerned friends and family, that we avoided mentioning Trump and more especially QAnon. While in retrospect we still stand by our choice due to the volatility of the time during episode 1's production in the immediate wake of the January 6th Capitol insurrection, it cannot be said that we did our best work. Our episode briefly mentioned the prospect of former conspiracy subscribers coming to the metaphorical light, though we did not explore what that may entail. Looking back, to not include forums, helplines, or even general advice that could be used by concerned friends and or family members was a mistake, and one which we hope to rectify through this episode. Moving forward from the incident which is covered in this episode, we intend to put our cards on the table and call things as they are, rather than weasel our way out of handling topics that may get a rise out of those who actively encourage the harassment, hate, harm, or disenfranchisement of any group of people. With that in mind, moving on from this incident, we hope to delve into topics which we had placed on the back burner initially due to concerns of potential ramifications, as to remain silent on such issues stands only to benefit those enacting harm on others. With that, enjoy this special. Welcome to Conspiracy 2. I, I don't even okay so i feel like we need some context for this because this wasn't, wasn't a plan at all not planned like three hours ago we <laughs> had something completely different ready um and and then we opened our email Podcast at gmail.com we opened our email i'm not sure we should even be advertising it after this <laughs> i know <laughs> I think you, you guys, like the audience, lost the right to email us. <laughs> um, we opened, well, actually, Dawson um, had the privilege of opening our email today. And as I was doing the dishes at my grandparents' house, um, my phone is blowing up from text messages. And he is asking me, have you seen this? Have you seen this email? And I had not. So I opened the email on my phone, my little my little phone. And we get an email from one of our uh, listeners who apparently has come across our podcast in passing. And they decided to pour their heart out to us. Um, and and tell us about what was going on specifically with them and how our first episode conspiracy affected them uh, personally. Um, and as as creators, we we knew that when we went public with something, especially a podcast, because podcasts are most commonly known as being controversial. Like that's that's literally probably the point. <laughs> of having a podcast is to be controversial and to speak and to talk to people. And so we knew that making a podcast, we would be speaking to the public. We would be, we would have to be transparent. And with our first episode uh, in January, right after the domestic terrorist attack on the Capitol, we 
weren't transparent at all, um, which was a conscious choice and decision, as we said, because at that time we were very concerned for both our safety, our mental health, physical health, just in general of our of ourselves and our family. Because at that time, all minorities were being targeted. And as both of us being minorities, very visibly minorities, we, before all else, we have to protect ourselves. And that's what we were trying to do. And with that, we also, didn't show our true colors and show how we really felt on the topic of conspiracies and also how it pertained to hate groups and hate speech and even politicians and their speeches or their debates or even just in general. And so first and foremost, I think we both would like to apologize for not being transparent to everyone as a listener because we should have and we should be and at this point we should not be scared of other people's shit like other people's shit does not have to be our shit um and we of course have to learn that and we're going to keep learning because we're growing every day well every three months <laughs> we are whenever we upload yeah whenever we upload we are learning and we are growing and this was just another learning and growing experience for both us and also the listener who reached out to us um so that's my opening <laughs> um yeah it's so it's not every day that you open an email and a wall of text like that um it i mean i have definitely had experiences where it's like oh like you open email and it's either like someone's thoughts on what you've uploaded or maybe like a critical analysis or even just like a hey you guys are doing great like blah blah blah, blah right but right. to open something that is i i should have honestly plugged into google docs and seen how many words that was but it it takes some scrolling <laughs> like it is it's, it's very dense, and the scariest part about it is it's really hard to di- uh, decipher on our parts um, because there's no way to link it to it was sent through what's known as Gorilla Mail, which is a service that provides temporary disposable email account. So whoever the author was, whether or not that was his real name, um, all of that's a mystery. And we both kind of had, uh, we had a discussion before getting this in which we are trying to decide whether or not to actually speak the word of the email, like <laughs> at all, I mean, this because is it is 1,226 words. So, oh my God, for an email, <laughs> no, but again, it's just, it's just like a lot to process and you definitely like i am uncomfortable by the used and also not uh, like the word side the story that it tells is frightening and we need to be clear in the past we had an episode that had um like examples of uh stories from like other worlds that we wrote up 
and that was like a fun thing. This is real. This was actively sent to us and was a, basically an anonymous glimpse into someone's life um, over essentially the last four years. Um, and it's just... I, I want to say it's enlightening, but if anything, it just muddies the water even more for me, where I don't understand how someone can think these things and think their logic process just doesn't clarify it at all for me. I don't, I don't know about you, though. It, it, it um, being the fact that my, of my parents, um, specifically teaches about African-American culture, literature, and also taught me about, you know, and had me reading certain texts and stuff with, of course, heavy subjects and topics for Black women and even Black people in general. Reading this was one of the hardest things I've had to read in a very long time. Being the fact that some of the language that was used um, not that it was being used towards us or even towards necessarily other listeners. The fact that they admitted to having said some of these things and having done some things and having other people do these things, it was really eye-opening to the fact of we can get really, really comfortable in our own little spaces and try to forget as much as we can about the outside world. But... Being that we are 18 years old, going to college, moving on in our lives, we are becoming full-fledged adults. We can't ignore these things anymore. We Sometimes the uncomfortable topics have to be said. Um, however, do I think this should have been said to me? I don't know. <laughs> um, I appreciate their honesty. I appreciate the guts that it took however i also want them to understand that this was pure hate and bigotry and the past four years of what they were doing was pure hate and pure bigotry and mm. things that I mean, they, things they can never take back and as listeners i of course i don't want y'all to throw in comments i don't want y'all to throw hate at them or send emails saying how much you hate this person or everything because for part of this they were a child and a child doesn't have the same thinking as a 17 18 year old would that they and that, that's actually a, a point of contention we while looking through the email and this becomes more evident um as we'll go further into it it's a bit vague exactly how old they were Although, mm -hmm. for the entirety of the email, it can be fairly certain on our parts that they were a minor and mm -hmm. come from a household of hate. And as we alluded to in episode one, though we never really touched upon it, conspiracies spread very easily amongst families. And especially when it comes to families that, um, as again, we'll get into with the email, have held those beliefs for a very long time. In this case, the family has held them for more than 40 years. Um, so it's passed down from one generation to another. Um, and you really see, um, like we were talking about earlier before we started recording, just this 
um, almost a lack of foundation for uh, the subject of the email, where he has had his entire worldview finally challenged by some things, and he's coming up without the ability to answer them. And while I... <laughs> I don't know if I am glad that we got the email out of everyone that could have. Yeah. Um, okay. It is a unique opportunity for us because if this was a much bigger podcast, um, then I don't think it would have necessarily been seen. And I think it's yeah. important for people to see these stories. Like um, as we covered in the uh, Jane and John episode, sometimes these stories, they aren't these widespread global events again it's another case where sometimes it's just localized to one family and like the poison that spreads from parent to child yeah most most definitely and sometimes that that's the poison that gets you the most is from parent to child um because if someone out in the street you know said something to me of course i'm going to carry that and i'm gonna you know i'm gonna feel it but but parent it's me some form of hate or something like that's going to stick with me for life. Your parents, since the day you popped out, <laughs> they teach you everything. Well, your parent, a guardian, a parent or a guardian, they have to teach you everything. And so you're learning from them. Like some of my mannerisms I get from my mom, some of my mannerisms I get from my dad. Like it's just how it is. And that's how it is for everybody. I'm well, mannerisms you get from a guardian or mannerisms you get from aunt, uncle, cousin, but like anybody. And it is very apparent that that's what happened to this person. And they're now having to unlearn these mannerisms. Um, and it, it, they're struggling and you can, you can tell, and I know that it's hard. Um, cause I can't imagine what they are uh, going through. Um, I wouldn't wish it upon my worst enemy uh, at all. I think that's that's one of the more important notes. The events that are covered in this are not meant to martyrize what happened to this person or to poke fun at it or say that it was deserved. As Again, no one deserves what unfolded here, um, especially those tangentially connected to it. Yet, at the same time, it's important to see that when you follow conspiracy and delusion, there are consequences. And sometimes it doesn't happen to you, it happens to those around you, and other times it affects you personally, especially with um, the subjects covered in this. And one of the subjects covered in this involves a trans woman, um, and as an effort for those who may be in a similar position as the subject of the email put this trans woman into uh in the description for this episode we're going to have a couple different uh crisis and intervention hotlines listed uh notably uh the trevor project which their phone number is 866-488-7386 um as well as the trans lifeline which is an organization that's led by trans people for trans people, and their number is 877-565-8860. Or even the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, which, if you don't know it from the Logic song, 1-800-273-8255. You are feeling anything that you 
never like to use the word normal. I very I try very hard not to use that word normal. But if you are not feeling your normal, if you are feeling depressed, if you are feeling over like anxious, or if you are just straight not feeling okay, which is okay. It is okay to not feel okay. But if you are feeling not okay to the point where you might harm yourself, please, I I am begging you. Please, there are people out there who can help you, who are licensed to help you, and that can help you. And we want you to get that help. And we need you to get that help because I promise you there is someone out there who cares so very much about you. You are not alone. You have a whole, you have two people who are here to support you and to have a support system if ever needed. But please, please call one of the lifelines or even, I guess at this rate, even if you have to email us so you need a little more confidence to do something you need to do, please get the help you need because it is okay to ask for help. It is 100% okay to ask someone for help. Well, with that, I guess we could transition into, oh, God, the uh, the reading of the email. Yeah, so as since Dawson does not necessarily say he feels comfortable with reading this out loud, I will read this out loud. I will also give a disclaimer before I read this that we were given permission from the writer of this email, and we also want to also emphasize the fact that this email was sent to us and not written by us. We apologize to all of you for the hateful speech as we are reading this as it is written, which also means there are some grammatical errors that I will have to read. Um, but we are not, it doesn't, this does not reflect the views of Berengia or our streaming services, which host us. We do not necessarily believe any of the things, but no, we 100% do not believe any of the things said inside of this email. And I mean, I can't, I can't even say enjoy, but thank you for listening <laughs> to us and I will begin. <clears throat> Episode one reply, Mac and Dawson. I don't know how exactly to put together this message, but it is about your first episode talking about conspiracies. I stumbled on your podcast just through random chance, and I don't know who to tell my story to, but it kind of makes sense with you guys. Dawson brought up a recovering conspiracy people, then didn't really revisit it, but it's not that simple, and I don't think either of you really captured the scale of harm. I get why you guys avoided the T word and the Q, but now more than ever, someone needs to throw a lifeline to these people. It's not as volatile as January, but there are still so many people at so many different positions of this pipeline. And I think you two could help some of the small notes of kindness did in your episode. They weren't much, although I don't mean that negatively at all, but they felt genuine from both of you and that's why I'm even writing this. My parents and I were massive Trump supporters and we totally drank the Kool-Aid of what he was selling. My mom and dad were a part of the Reagan generation and genuinely thought he was going to make America better. I was in sixth grade during the election and around the same time got super into atheism on YouTube through people like the Armored Skeptic, Thunderfoot, and Sargon of Akkad, 
and my feed was full of these videos and how dumb liberals are and how funny it was that libs cried during the election night and I don't really know it was just like a fun thing and I didn't realize how far it went I started subscribing to a lot of right-wing channels and in retrospect it's scary because I thought I was listening to people who knew science and reason and logic and believed that what they said because they had this halo of intellect surrounding them and made sense. I started making fun of gays and trans people and making jokes with friends that bashed people who I never have really thought of negatively before. I didn't even think any of it was wrong because everyone I knew and all of my family thought the same things and it was just okay and I didn't have a reason to think otherwise. But during my junior year, just a month or so before lockdown started, a person who I grew up with who was trans, who at that point was going by blank, and who I had made fun of both to her face and to friends, killed herself. And I was unfazed at first because everyone around me thought the world was better off without her. Then COVID set in, and me and my parents refused to wear masks and subscribe to the liberal hoax of the Chinese virus. And I remember laughing with my dad when we called it the Kung Flu, and then the election went down and it was a mess. I sent death threats to people I knew along with total strangers who I saw liking Biden's Instagram posts or who said they voted for him and I just felt so much rage. I wasn't alone either as my parents did increasingly bigger things still with COVID going on. They started going to rallies and bought champagne on January 6th as we felt like we were taking America back from the thieving Democrats in Beijing Biden. Life returned to whatever sort of normalcy you can have in a household like that. And my mom stopped talking to my aunt because she had tried to have an honest moment about what we were saying and believing. But now it's the 15th of July and I'm living with my aunt. A few weeks back, my mom got really sick and then my dad did too. They thought it was just a cold and tried to carry on as usual, but soon enough, we could barely make it, they could barely make it upstairs. Getting out of bed became a massive challenge as they started to have trouble breathing. I took care of them and tried to keep the house put together, and I really tried, I really did. For the first time in my life, I feel like I stepped up to what was going on around me. I was the one who ended up calling the ambulance when neither of my parents could even get up and were losing the ability to talk. My dad passed a few days before my mom did, and now I'm left here with my head spinning still. I'm living with my aunt, and a year ago, I would have insulted her for what she believes. But now, she's helping me with all of the stuff, and I don't know how to hold that in my mind along with everything. I don't know if that even makes sense, but it's hard to make sense of her compassion and love for me despite everything I said and believed. It's just a lot. I don't even know the real point of telling all of this. I just feel like I need to put it somewhere and not let it grow anymore in my head. I wish I could go back and I wish I could have told Blank that I respected her and that I thought she was brave for going through all that she did. I wish I could have told her how much I loved her photography instead of making fun of it as being queer. I wish my parents would have actually given a shit about the pandemic instead of heading for rallies for a man who didn't care if they lived or died. I see Trump 2024 flags wave and I feel sick to my stomach and I know that's how a normal person should see them. They aren't representative of a return to greatness. They instead are just markers for who would gladly sacrifice those who they don't see as equal to them. It's no different than the Nazi banners waving on the streets in World War II. I wish that you too would have covered not just conspiracies in some big idea way, but instead in the way that it does this. Conspiracies take no energy to sustain, yet cost so much. I don't know how else I would have learned that. There are so many people I wish I could apologize to, but I'll never get the chance to. I can barely get up and ready anymore. And I know it's just a fraction of me and my friends 
the decent people through for nothing more than some shitty jokes. Not sure if you guys will read this or if it'll even matter, but I wanted someone to hear it. Maybe someone else out there who was in the same position as me a year and a half ago can snap back to reality and start recovering and fixing the damage they've done. I still don't even know where to begin, but I think writing this all out is the first good step, maybe. Even still, I'm sorry. I know it'll never be enough, but I have to at least try. And that is the end. Once again, I am disclaiming that we were given permission from the writer for this email and it was sent to us and it was not written by us. And I once again apologize for the hateful and harmful speech that I was reading as it was written. And it once again does not reflect the views of Berengia or our streaming services which host us. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it, you know, in all of the time that I've spent having to deal with people who were on the opposite end of that spectrum, right, where they have completely subscribed to all that, it, I mean, you always dream of, like, when the ignorant, hateful people finally, like, realize the wrong of their ways and, like, come around, but... I think if anything that just like really highlights for me that it isn't it isn't satisfying in any way for anyone involved because from all ends it's just a disaster and it's it's tragic that had it not been for the events that unfolded and the loss of his parents do you think he would have come around on anything that he did like do you would uh do you think he would feel any remorse for what he put her through like i don't i don't know i honestly don't know because even in that email it was it was stated that at first he didn't feel any pain from her death and even i feel like even if she was a family friend there's you you should feel something like something should be some something should have clicked in your brain of oh snap she killed herself. Maybe something I'm doing or something somebody said, like something must be wrong. It didn't click. Now it's like, did he have to lose everything for him to gain something? To gain back his basic humanity? Like, that. that's the thing. I, this does not help me in any way to, and like, I, I get that it's not meant to be like a here's the logic of this. It's just sort of like an insight of that. I still though can't fundamentally understand how someone can just think that what unfolded there was okay. Because you could read that whole spiel to someone who say is who he was a year and a half ago, right? And I don't think they would see anything wrong in his actions. You know, like that, that to me is horrifying. And that's why I think it's really important that we have this episode and have resources available, not just for those victimized by these people, but also those who are trying to reach out and sort of grab their friends and family who have drifted so far out. And the strange thing is that there are very limited resources for it because it's a her. <laughs> like Herculean feet, you know, like it is really difficult to 
tell someone like no this isn't what's going on like the world isn't out to get you like <laughs> you should i don't know have some basic human decency and not celebrate or be indifferent when someone dies and then only later on respect them enough to be like i wish i could say that i respected her like and i get that for me right this is juxtaposed by what i said in episode one in which I said that when people come forward with this, you should extend compassion and empathy and try to understand what has happened to them. And I do, right? I do. But at the same time, if you were to be on the opposite side, like, if you're basing this entirely on politics, right? If you were to be on the left and bullied someone on the right into suicide, I would have the equal disdain for you. You know, like that, it undermines everything. And politics aside, it is a gross reduction of the value of human life. And I don't want to stand for that. And while I do, again, I don't know if, if I appreciate the author coming forward with this, I am, I guess I'm floored by it. I am still, I don't know if, I don't want to say it's shock from getting it, but it's it definitely takes a lot to process all the contents of that, as I'm sure members of our audience are feeling, because it's not every day you have someone who you've never met confess that they bullied someone to suicide. Um, and personally, I'm I I wish that we could get into contact with them because I wonder if they still surround themselves with those people who thought it was okay to bully her as well, you know? Because I I can easily think of people who I know who would stay in a toxic environment like that just because they know without it they have no one. And that's the unfortunate reality of situations like that where you may have someone who comes to their senses but they keep up the act and they keep doing what they're doing just because status quo is comfortable for them. And... Again, that is why, in retrospect, I think that the way that we handled episode one was, it was perfect, well, not perfect, it was sensible for the times that we were in back then, right? So it has been six months <laughs> since that episode, and we published it, we actually were in production of it um, only a couple hours after the insurrection. Mm -hmm. And we had scheduled it to be published on the day of the inauguration. Um, and for us, that was sort of a big step because it was, it was our pilot. Like, we put it out and it was something for us to be proud of. And I think in that rush in order to get it out and in an effort to remain as neutral as possible because we had the audacity to claim that we were going to be nonpartisan in it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think along that road, we lost our way and didn't focus on the underlying um, effect of conspiracy and of uh, political discourse of this magnitude in which you have people fundamentally disagreeing with reality. And the reality of it is that no matter how much you attack the conspiracy or the boogeyman, you are ultimately still seeing it harm individual people and while you may not be able to tear down something like QAnon 
you could still help a family member who subscribes to it. And on my part, as I was the one who brought it up and did not elaborate on it in the script, I take full responsibility for not adding on those resources then. And in retrospect, I absolutely should have, as I noted earlier in this episode. And I, I don't, I don't have any clue whether or not that would have been the sort of deciding factor between um, continuing on or getting help for someone who uh, listened to the episode. But the fact that that is even a possibility makes me genuinely uneasy. And it didn't really come to mind until the author of this email mentioned it. And for even someone like him in his situation to see it, which he's the exact audience that that would have been for, right? For him to be, like, hungry for those sources as he's trying to piece together his life, and for them to not be available when he's searching for them, as a direct consequence of me not providing them, I do feel entirely responsible for that, and it's not great. Um, But what do you think about sort of the overall message of that email and what he was saying? Um, I mean... For the overall message, well, speaking directly to the writer of this email, if you happen to still be listening to our podcast, first and foremost, we send our condolences to you and your family. Um, I cannot imagine the pain you are going through. I never wish the pain that you are going through to anyone. Um... And I also thank you for telling your story to us. Um, as creators and people, we try to give all the facts, regardless of our opinions. Uh, facts come first, then experiences, and then imp- opinions. And as we said, we tried, at the beginning, we tried very, very hard to remain neutral. But there are just some issues that you just cannot be neutral about and still speaking directly to this author we may have done you a disservice by being trying to be neutral which you brought to our attention very very nicely um we should have been more transparent um and i also very much take the blame for it as well uh being that i agreed with with the idea of a little more animosity um is that the right word anonymity anonymity that's the word i want Uh. (laughs) Um, and i don't think this was a subject that we should have done that for um after reading your uh email several times eyes were open to several new things um first number one we both were and were not trying to hide the names of organizations or people of the far-right movement um we were trying to hide them for the sake of at the time of course 
safety for both ourselves and our families. I mean, at the time of the episode, we were new and scared and learning how to handle ourselves and the platform and also schooling. We, there was just so much going on. Um, and after the January 6th domestic terrorist attack, we were both concerned for ourselves and our families. I mean, we have said multiple times that we are minorities. Um, and after January 6th, we were scared and threatened. Like, I remember my parents going out and running to the grocery store so we would have enough food just in case, you know, we couldn't leave. Or the fact that our curtains to our house for a week because our house, the whole front of our house is windows and the whole back of our house was windows. And the person down the street was flying a Blue Lives Matter flag and the person on the other side of the street had Trump signs. Like, it, it was scary. And when that all happened, we both agreed to not bring any attention to any hate groups, just in case. And that meant that we also glossed over some of the harsher parts of racism and homophobia and just the plain hate that was being done around the country. And that's the time it felt right and okay and some parts of it still now feel right and okay but after reading email that was sent to us from you we we can see how that was probably very frustrating and also um how it concerned you i i 100 get that that part um because uh, america was falling apart and <laughs> We were straight up trying to protect ourselves. Um, well, and another big aspect of it is at the time we were in college application season. Mm-hmm. And it, at least in my mind, I'm not sure about you. In my mind, I was thinking about um, the one student who applied, I believe, for either Stanford or Harvard and then published a TikTok that blew up that was um, like a political TikTok. And it resulted in hundreds of people contacting the university. And in my mind, all I could think of was how awful it would be if the episode, our first debut episode, managed to fall in sort of the wrong hands. And then these are our names attached to this, right? And for us to then become targets, it's incredibly easy to figure out not only where someone lives, because note to any Americans in the audience, if you have ever voted you are in a database that anyone can search. It's public, right? And they can figure out where you live because your address is associated with your name, which is associated with your political party. All you need is the first and last name. You can get an address and their political ideology, which that's freaky, right? But that also means that very quickly someone could plug in either of our names into voting uh, registration databases and very easily sort of hunt us down, which I get that that feels hyperbolic, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it was there were a lot of unknowns in the wake of January 6th. And especially as we approached inauguration, there were active FBI um, uh, efforts to investigate threats on all 50 state capitals at the time, which that would have been devastating. And we just didn't know. We didn't know what world that episode would have aired into. So... Right. We played it safe, and the universe rolled its dice against us. So it's sort of it's very difficult, right, to gauge in what world it'll be perceived. 
And at that time, we didn't know, so it was sort of the fog of the future. And it just so happened that things were, for the most part, not as bad as we expected. <laughs> so while I definitely, we absolutely could have done better with the resources that we had available to us at the time, we absolutely should have and could have and in the future will do better. But as for the rest of it, I, it's, it's definitely difficult to gauge whether or not the aspect of anonymity was something that was um, either necessary or warranted or um, like even if that prevented something from happening, right? Because episode one is still our second most viewed episode. And for the audience that it received, all it would take is one person deciding that we had done them wrong by mentioning QAnon. And even the intro for episode one, which discusses the shooting at that one pizza parlor that was... God. So it, it, it was related to an entire segment of the video, or not video, sorry, uh, podcast that we edited out, um, which was based on firsthand video accounts, as well as interviews with people, and sort of this time lapse of the rise of QAnon, and how you have people believing that this pizza parlor and arcade is keeping child sex slaves in its basement so someone brings a firearm and shoots the place up thinking that they're a martyr or like a hero and that was one of the things where even having that in the intro as sort of like the hook that felt dangerous and in retrospect it was incredibly harmless but this was just days after that same group had just made history by laying siege to the capital on live national television in front of the eyes of everyone in the world and the even if it was misplaced the power at least in my mind that that for me gave them seems to have in retrospect been a lot more than they genuinely had but it was again like an unknown where who knows what this will turn into first the u.s capital then what next right and just coming back from uh dc which i was in dc as we have been preparing for episodes and i was there actually investigating sources for some episodes um one moment that stood out to me was being at the capitol in person which the national mall and the capitol as a whole it's way bigger than you think which i i never realized that it is a massive place but for me, looking back on photos of the insurrection and seeing just how much of that space was filled with people, I still am baffled by that. Because you don't realize just how many people were genuinely there. And that's not to give them any credit, right? It's just, it still scares me. And at times I'm still afraid that one of these lone wolf gunmen is just gonna do something. And that's like a constant fear. And that's why standing out immediately in the wake of the insurrection, in my mind, just felt dangerous. And having friends and family say, no, maybe don't do that <laughs> while your address is still easily accessible. Maybe, yeah. that, maybe that point still stands a bit, right? Especially when we're in an age in which you can so easily acquire people's information. Like, it's, it's scary. But... Like, yeah, it's just, 
it's astounding how different the world was then compared to now. Even if nothing has really changed, I think more so it's our perception of power of those groups. And I think mm-hmm. now more than ever, we feel emboldened to take them on. If not directly, then at least by covering the impact that they have on people. Where you have a family that, thanks to conspiracy theories promoted by the mainstream media on the right, as well as the president, you have a family that has now died and whose child is partially responsible for the suicide of someone. And that's just expected to be normal by these groups. And for me, I don't want that ever to be the normal like situation for a family to be in. Yeah, I definitely. <laughs> that should that that should never be the normal. For, I don't even <laughs> see. It, it, it's hard to even imagine that being a even a semblance of normalcy. But that this is just one family, right? With two parents who passed from COVID. Imagine how many other people tell similar stories, right? With What's the current death toll in America now from COVID? Ungodly high still? I mean... I'm seeing... 608,000 deaths in the U.S. And and 4 million million worldwide. Yeah, that is... Oh! Like, just... Just imagining... Like, of course, not every single member of the 4.07 million dead subscribe to these theories. But how many were infected by people who did? Like, people who go, eh, a mask isn't going to do anything for me, right? Like, it, it's 98%. And then they go into a grocery store and they infect someone's kid or someone's grandparent. And then that person's in a vector and it just spreads and spreads and spreads. Like, that to me is horrifying because you are not at fault at all and it's really terrifying to me that people don't find any problem in that and people throughout the entirety of the pandemic thought that it was a rational response pandemic to just go well just let it spread and whoever dies dies yeah i i remember that and that still is the way that people see it especially now as the delta variant spreads which that's a whole other thing (laughs) Oh, that's a that's a whole nother episode at that point. Like God, season two of COVID is here. <laughs> yeah. Um. Then, I mean, going back, I guess, to the subject of the hate speech that was written. I, we, not say that we understand hate i as as a part of minorities groups we have not harmed anybody or their family nor have we sent hate however um their family and even themselves it was okay to do so and very much want to push to both them and also all listeners, whether you are on left, right, 
communism and anything. I don't care what Ooh. you want. <laughs> 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 I just threw that out there for some spice. Um, we very much want to push that how react to the world and the people around you you should not react with hate and bigotry um as a person i was very hurt to hear of the racism and the homophobia and etc from the email uh, i'm sure dawson feels the same as well um and honestly reading that i i read it both to myself. I also read it to my mother. And also the third time I read it was um while recording. And reading it again, I just feel drained. Like there's no other word I could use but drained. Because having to read that and having to hear to someone's emotional trauma dump. I am both sympathetic, empathetic, and everything in between. I hate, hate that this person had to go through this, but I also, I'm not saying at any way, shape, or form they deserve this, nobody deserves this, but I'm also very apparent of if you believe karma works in this world, Karma was coming out for that person, and it came hard, and it came fast. Um, and they tried, as they said, to be the perfect child for their parent, and they tried very hard to keep them alive and well, and they did the best that they could do because they were still a child. There's... I just want to make it so abundantly clear that hate is never going to get any of us where we want to be in the world. Like me calling Dawson the F slur or him calling me, you know, the N word. I mean, no, that would, ne no, that would never happen. No, exactly. It would never happen. Making that, making that clear right here. Has not happened. Yeah. Will not happen. Will never I happen. would die. Beforehand. I would, yes, I would, if it came into my brain, I would personally like no. But although my 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 co-host here has very obviously called me the F slur in the past. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, most most deaf. Um, just if you have any ounce of common sense, you also strive to love other people also the fact of the matter is is that a lot of these supporters a lot of these conservatives claim to be christians i have grown up in a christian household i continue to live in a christian household i have read the bible many a time i have read passages i have memorized i know all of the Old Testament books of the Bible and half of the New by heart. Also know that God, my God, Jesus, 
calls us to love one another, regardless of if you are gay, straight, black, white, short, tall, anything. You, he calls us to love. You are not loving another person. You're yelling at them and calling them slurs and telling other people to die just because, um, I don't know, they, like, you know, want basic human rights. (laughs) How dare they? How dare they? (laughs) How dare you want basic human rights? That must mean that I now must call you out of your name. And even, even if you aren't a Christian, even if you aren't a Christian, if you are not, if you are an atheist, which is perfectly okay to be, if you are an atheist, you even as a human being, you should know to love your neighbor. You should know to have compassion and empathy and also just plainly to just be kind to one another, to quote Ellen. Like, I mean, just literally be kind to one another. Treat people actually, with kindness. Actually, as like a small note, I think it's really interesting that two things. One, um, I remember that one saying, where it's like there's nothing as hateful as Christian love, like quote unquote, and mm-hmm. like that notion of like thinking of people protesting people's funerals or the people who hold the uh, like signs around when it's like um, back when gay marriage was being determined by the Supreme Court. I remember back in Fairbanks there was a collection i don't know what church it was i'm who who cares at that point right but i remember they were holding signs that are uh like proclaiming in big red scary letters uh like god hates fags and like they're able to do that on the street corner because first amendment woo but but seeing that i think inspired the people who shortly after that case was determined um like i was followed home while i was walking home from school and was brutally beaten like to the point where i was coughing up blood like that bad and i just know it was from the hate that those people foster and it goes against everything that they claim to believe but on the opposite end of the spectrum as it was noted in the email right and i remember this because growing up in the mid-2000s on youtube in like a very niche weird corner there's always people who would mention um like the big three of the youtube skeptic community which were armors or armored skeptic thunderfoot and sargon of akkad and those three i <laughs> we could have a whole episode dedicated to youtube atheism but long story short it's people who pretend to have like a fundamental understanding of how things work they pretend to be educated on these things they pretend to be uh like men of science as if it's some sort of like oh god uh like a school in athens that's trying to debate philosophy <laughs> like they th- again sargon of Akkad, really um and if i remember right i think he's now like a british politician who everyone hates it's like it's hilarious but like these people right they take what is like a, a thing that shouldn't be argued right like you can again non-denominational believe whatever you want right like i don't care how you live your life right as long as you don't try to force those beliefs onto others right cough cough most of christian history but um (laughs) just ignore the crusades they didn't happen um (laughs) but again when you have people who are 
trying to do the same but with atheism it's really really interesting because these people right these channels they're they're not big but their fan bases are very concentrated um so you have these channels that um they actually go on to segments of youtube that are about christianity or islam or judaism or like any faith right but especially uh christianity and they will target these creators who are very small and can't really fight back with any amount of audience and then they will make a response video to them and try to like own them where it's like you claim this but science says that and like they're it's it's annoying right and the thing is it's the it's so apparent that they're trying to like have a gotcha with someone's faith and like there's a fundamental disagreement where it's like people can be shown as much evidence as one can provide but if they want to believe what they want to believe then there's nothing stopping you from doing that i mean you have like new wave new wave religions i don't even know if it's technically (laughs) determined that but like um astrology right where there's like instagram accounts that put out these lists of like if you're a virgo you're feeling this way today and it's like a grand sweeping statement that could apply to like one in every 10 people (laughs) on earth (laughs) but then you have the right people see it and they're like oh my god courtney come look at this me like i know people who are like that i'm sure you do too and then they like they go spend three hundred dollars on crystals instead of paying their car loan it's fine but (laughs) like there's no harm in doing that if you want to spend money on crystals instead of food power to you like queen (laughs) like literally you do you i don't care like that doesn't affect me but the thing where i have a disagreement with that regardless of if you are hyper religious or hyper atheistic Mm-hmm. Don't try to like gotcha people. Where it's like I've had people who subscribe to astrology, right? Where they'll be like, "Oh my god, you can't even, like I don't know why you're even like this. It's such a Libra thing to do." Which like I don't know, maybe it is, but I don't know. know. That like what does that mean? That doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Or oh my god, or like they'll one thing that I noticed, right? Is there is the TikTok astrology group where they just are scientifically illiterate (laughs) so they're like the moon has a wobble so that means like this is the energy in our bodies and like gravity like it makes you sound like you are huffing paint fumes (laughs) but again again if you're gonna believe that completely good i do not care but for these people and i have had them come up and they're like oh my god like you're doing this because of this this and this and by the way, it's because of X, Y, and Z, and your moon is in Virgo. And I'm like, I don't want this. Why are you forcing this on me? You know? And it'd be the same response as like someone walking up being like, <laughs> Have you heard of the good word in this book? And it's like, Go away. Please stop knocking on my door. Yes. Because, like, I wouldn't want to do that to anyone. And, like, I get that for some of these people. Maybe not people who are into astrology, but maybe people who are into astrology are like this now. But it's, like, they think that they're, like, saving you. And I'm, like, I don't... I didn't ask for this, nor do I really want you to do this for me. Like, I don't don't feel comfortable with this. 
And like, there's no way to do. Yeah, like I, for two summers when I first moved here, there were relentless Mormons at the door, which is like, <laughs> I'm not sure if you've ever like read through Mormonism, but it's insane, right? Because I remember it was one of those things where it's like, I want to like learn about what this is because I keep having people with little black name tags show up and beat on my door until three in the morning and I need to like spray them with water for them to go away. Um, But like looking through it, we could do an episode on Mormon, but like I wouldn't want to do that, but like I absolutely could. But like, again, that runs into the thing where it's like, I don't want to bring up stuff like that because it's like that doesn't benefit me to talk about that like that doesn't benefit anyone who subscribes to it like if you want to believe in mormonism in which it says that people with darker skin have like a sign of them being related to a historical demon then like you do you babe have have one with your racist american religion um (laughs) literally created by a snake oil salesman but like whatever it's fine anyways Anyway, <laughs> anyways, we're not going to go there. Um, yeah. But again, like, I think it's just funny that the same people who hold these very strong beliefs that there is not a god are, like, then going to tell people how to live their life. Where it's like, what's the point of telling people how to live their life if you don't think that your life has any, like, rules to be lived by, you know? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, you can't be trans. It's like, why can't this person be trans? Like, yeah, what's, what's they're a hashtag mean? girl boss, let them live. <laughs> like, I don't get why you, some random redneck from like, I don't know, Mississippi. Okay, <laughs> okay first off, hey. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. Not wrong, but still. <laughs> No, um, I honestly can't tell what's scarier to me, uh, a Mississippi redneck or a redneck from the valley up here in Anchorage. Uh, really? Because have you been to Houston? Houston, Alaska, not Houston, Texas, by the way. Houston, Alaska is a horror movie. It is Silent Hill. It is... You realize that Hope was like... Hope and Houston are freaky. <laughs> lynching trees very much still a thing like we 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 deep in there honey we, we oh my god like the help was was um what the help the um grocery store that they did it in uh is right across the street from a restaurant in babaloo called babaloo in jackson mississippi you can search it up heck my mom even went the same high school uh, a couple years after the woman who wrote the help went to the same school hmm. oh. then you know what my mom did she is now writing a book deconstructing the help and how it is horrible and wrong <laughs> so I want to throw money at her for a signed copy like I yeah. all, all proceeds from the podcast go towards getting signed copies of that book <laughs> I mean, hey. Yeah, so she's writing that. Very interesting. But yeah. Oh my god, that reminds me. So, while I was in D.C., right, I am at this restaurant called, uh, like, The Hamilton, or, like, Hamilton. I think it's The Hamilton, but whatever. It's, like, this really uppity restaurant where, like, for some reason, it's, like, American 
casual dining meets Japanese fusion disaster, right? Like that, <laughs> you should not be able to get a Reuben with French fries and like miso soup and a California roll on the same menu, let alone that. And like, they, they had the weirdest things on that menu, right? And by the way, had to stand waiting for like an hour and a half because I, I didn't have reservations. Because I was like, this place shouldn't be that busy. It's like 1 p.m. Stood on my feet there until like 2.45 to be seated. Awful. Um, but while I was there, I was thinking about, of all things, the Parthenon. Which is really random, right? But like, again, I was standing in that room for so long I could like see my past lives. <laughs> and all I could think of was like, oh my god, I really wish that I could see the Parthenon. Because like now it's just in like ruins. And I remember, I was like, I wonder if anyone has built, like, a reconstruction of it, like, even, like, a smaller one, right? Right. But evidently, and I have no explanation for this, you know Nashville, Tennessee? Mm-hmm. Evidently, it's called the Athens of the South. I have never heard that. Have you heard that? Never heard that. Never heard that. They have a one-to-one reconstruction of the Parthenon sitting in a field. Just sitting there. And it's just, it's called Parthenon. In parentheses, the Parthenon. And it's like an art museum, I guess. Or it's like a historic, or not an art museum. It's like an art piece itself. They have a site. They have a website. NashvilleParthenon.com It drives me insane. I have not been able to stop thinking about this since I was in DC. And like it is I want to like, like go I don't understand. I have never heard of it, let alone thought of Nashville as the Athens of the South because why would you call Nashville, Tennessee the Athens of the South? It is certainly not the center of democracy for anyone who is anywhere near there. Um but like evidently on display they have like the Antikythera mechanism. Like, I am baffled. It's just, it's just there. And I kind of, I like, kind of have a little bit of an obsession with it now. And I kind of want to go to Nashville just to see it. But I won't. (laughs) But again, have not been able to stop thinking about that. And the only reason why I was even thinking about this was because um, of, like, religion, right? Where it's like... It's a temple of worship, and now it's like an art museum in a field in Nashville. And for some reason, that's just like that floors me every time. About like I don't, I don't have the words to describe how that makes me feel, but it makes me feel some type of way. <laughs> you can also book it for a private event. So catch me and the girls booking the Parthenon for someone's quinceanera. <laughs> like that's what we're doing. Roll up. But yeah. So, anyways, back to the email. Um, I am... It's it's fun to sort of deconstruct the email still, right? Um, um, notably... Looking to their brain. It's, it's... I think... Okay, so one of the weird parts, and we were talking about this before we started recording, the way that they very obviously did not respect the trans woman who they were associated with. And yet, in the email, they are perfect at using she her pronouns like that she was she is like her blah 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 and it's like i don't i don't believe that's genuine on their part where it's like i 
you did not respect it when it mattered so why start now like that is purely to benefit yourself and make you feel less guilty and i have like no respect for that we're like again i think it would have been worse if the author decided to use incorrect pronouns right yes most definitely but like either way it doesn't matter now because you did what you did and there's no way to take that back you know Oh, um and then also just the utilization of some of the things that are in there um sp- like thieving democrats beijing biden chinese virus like all that stuff where it's just like you could have just referred to it as like i don't know democrats biden and covid yeah. like why why feel the need to like elaborate on that yeah, you know? like you gave us the hate speech, <laughs> literally. Yeah, like we we got like a Costco sample <laughs> for free. I don't even I have a membership here. How did we get in? <laughs> yeah, we don't even go here. Like I, I don't, I don't, I don't think I. Would. Yeah. Also, the one portion that was talking about the Trump twenty twenty four flags oh, made me think of our episode about flags. And then all I could think of was the fact that if this author would have actually listened to that episode, I don't think he would have written this. I don't think he would have sent it. Because <laughs> yeah. we did not give him room to breathe in an episode like that. Yeah, with that one, we definitely uh, went went deep on how seeing those flags made us feel. Yeah, and like I still stand by it. And it's getting worse. So, again, DC is so where it's like the entire city, I have never seen so many Black Lives Matter flags. And I was just like, oh my God, this is, it's a breath of fresh air, right? Where like every single business has the progress pride flag and like a Black Lives Matter flag or like the fist symbol. And I'm just like, oh my God, like, did I die? Where am I? Yeah. And then all I could think of when I got back within. 20 minutes of leaving the airport I saw a Trump flag and I'm like I have gone a week without seeing any sign of him because the rest of America's like government has moved on everyone else who is involved with America's government moved on the person who sells bagels to your favorite politician does not care (laughs) like I don't get why these people in like Alaska of all places still do it's like you think your what three electoral college points is going to really change things Yes. No, babe. No, go elect Romney again. Try again. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's just like, it's it's weird. And on top of that, they're like making more advanced flags that are like slogans and everything. Where it's like, now it's Trump 2024. Take America back. And it's like... Yeah, some of them, reading some of them, ugh. some of them I just have to laugh. Because they're just straight stupid. I'm like... He probably not even gonna live to 2024, and you over here giving him. <laughs> You're on a watch list for saying that now. You are not gonna be able to go anywhere. Secret Service is after you. <laughs> probably, but I mean, I'm not gonna kill him. I mean, girl, you need to stop talking right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm. I'm very. Uh, it's just. <laughs> 20 minutes ago you're like I wouldn't wish death on anyone (laughs) that lasted a good half an hour (laughs) yeah um okay I don't wish death upon anyone who doesn't deserve it if you take away my rights I hope many many things to you um I'm just like I'm baffled by the willingness to like 
keep up this act for four years? Like, that dedication? Like, do you think they're going to get tired of it? Because I don't think I've been dedicated to anything for four years, like, fervently, you know? I did band for six, and for five of those years, I don't even think I... I just did it. Because, <laughs> like, we can barely keep up enough passion to get this podcast out because we just, like, quit producing for months at a time. And then we're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get an email like this and we're like, oh, no, we do have an impact yeah. on the world. <laughs> Dang it. Also would like to know, it is now a casual 81 degrees my room. It has gone up 11 degrees since we started recording. I'm boiling live. Good. But it's great. No, I don't know. It's just... It's weird to me that, like, we, on this podcast, right, we have countless episodes that we want to produce, right, and that we should produce, and we're going to produce, and yet we still are just in this circle where, like, the the one episode, this episode, where it's like, we're going to break out of our, like, content shell. Someone's like, hey, you got to revisit the first episode. Yeah, we've got to go all the way back. And, like, going through... Everything that we said in the first episode, because I had to listen to it again before we recorded, right? And I don't know if you did, but... I did, I did. Yeah. Like, a lot of our points still stand, but I feel like one of the biggest problems is that... I mean, we did take it from a surface level, I will admit. But, like, we also just focused on, like... I don't want to say harmless conspiracy theories, but, like, someone believing the Earth is flat is going to kill someone, right? Or, like, someone believing that, I don't know, America faked the moon. Like, that's not going to change the outcome of a pandemic or, like, an election. Right. You know? And, like, I think that was a mistake where it's, like, we we often focused on sort of almost declawed conspiracies where it's, like, no one's going to actually care whether or not that turns out to be true. Versus, like, um, the stuff about the NSA and Homeland Security spying on American mm-hmm. citizens before Snowden proved it was a conspiracy. And that, like, actually has consequences. And it was true. Or um, MK Ultra and CIA experimenting on American citizens without consent or knowledge. That has ramifications and was proven true even if the CIA tried destroying most of the documents. <laughs> or, I mean... Even more mundane things, like, um, the conspiracy that, well, I don't even know if it's a conspiracy or more just, like, it was an understood belief beforehand that, like, NASA had a really dysfunctional internal system for reporting. The administration cared more about, uh, like, managing time than human lives, and that's what caused both Challenger disaster and the Columbia tragedy. And, like, that turned out to be true both times, which was, like, extra embarrassing for NASA, and that's why I'm, like... Am I the one who's kind of worried about the Artemis program? Because I feel like they're going to accidentally kill, like, the first people to go back to the moon. <laughs> like, I'm worried about them. Uh, speaking of yeah. which, in the news over the last week, Richard Branson went on a suborbital flight. And I feel like Jeff Bezos was slamming his fist on a desk the whole time, very pissed about it. He didn't get to go to space first. Yes, um, of course. Although, at the same time, am I the one who's a bit uncomfortable seeing a bunch of billions, like, throw around their this right yeah the fact that they so easily like let's just go to space and i'm like y'all don't y'all don't see issues at all 
So I think it was, I want to say it was Jeff Bezos, but it could have been like anyone. You have like Elon Musk, Richard Branson, Bezos, and like a dozen other multi-millionaires and billionaires who want to go to space. Um, one of them, I want to say that it was Jeff Bezos, but it might not. I, I'd feel bad. Well, I wouldn't feel bad accrediting anything to him accidentally. Like, I hate that man with every fiber of my being. But um, one of them was quoted as saying, like, once you have this much money, like, there's nothing else to do rather than go to space. And it's like, in my mind, that is so stupid. And I, for one, am a big fanboy of space where I'm like, NASA hard eyes. I'm like, go to the moon, go to Mars, do whatever. Because, like, ultimately, you're investing in a governmental entity that hires contractors and employs a bunch of people, and, like, it adds to the economy and keeps people employed and also furthers collective science. And it's, like, great, because you get things like, you know, the jaws of life that save people in car accidents? Do you know that comes from the shuttle program and is, like, an extended function of the separation thing that uh, separated the external fuel tank from the shuttle. I didn't know that. That's a thing that exists, which is really neat. And that's just like how it trickles down, right? Or like computers or virtual reality or any number of these things that are all in my mind because I saw, uh, I think the Discovery? I want to say it was Discovery and not Endeavor. It might have been Endeavor. Anyways, um, I went to the, I want to say the Air and Space Museum in D.C. Not the Air and Space Museum. There's like a separate museum that they have there. Anyways, they have the shuttle on display, which the shuttle, yeah, it was Discovery. It is the size of a warehouse. It is the biggest vehicle I have ever seen. And just thinking about how like all of these people had jobs in order to keep this going and like it also just benefited people everywhere is like so fascinating to me. And like I remember being in class in like fourth grade and seeing like shuttle missions being launched like lively or like streamed live like i remember that and like seeing people go to space was like a really cool thing on the shuttle because like the shuttle's iconic right right that was like a big thing for me and now it's like weird because the shuttle felt very it was like civilian and science benefiting all people and like everyone collectively pitches like a tiny bit of taxes go towards funding nasa even though it's definitely not enough, which is really sad. Mm-hmm. But now you have, like, billionaires who are just playing with space toys instead of, like, trying to benefit anyone. Like, the, a ticket on board Richard Branson, uh, like, Unity 2 or whatever, like, flies. It's $250,000 per ticket. Thousand? Yeah, the cost of a house. <laughs> like, it is insane to me. And... What? I don't know. You get to just, like, be in space for a little bit, but, like, not even in space, because you're basically just at the same altitude as a uh, high-altitude weather balloon, so you're not even technically in space. It's, it's embarrassing. Um, but all it, all it makes me think of, right, is this game that is on uh, itch.io, right? And it's called You Are Jeff Bezos by uh, Chris Lickman. And you start out, so the premise of it, right? And like, you could open up a browser and play it for free right now. The audience, it's like horrifying. It's categorized as a horror game. And it is. You awake and you are Jeff Bezos. You have his money and you can spend it. 
right? You can spend it doing anything you want. Right. And playing through it, it was horrifying to see just how far that money goes and how much you can fund. And, like, he doesn't do any. He just hoards it. Hoards like, it? He hoards it. Like, in reality, Jeff Bezos just hoards money. He just has so much money. Like, billions and billions and billions of dollars, right? Right. That could go towards ending homelessness. It could go towards, like, a revitalization of American communities. Or, like, it could go towards a revitalization of the inner city. Or it could go towards, like, I don't know, benefiting people. Yeah, you could pay off, like, the majority of college debt, if not all of it. Or, like, you could pay for, like, hundreds of people to go to college for four-year degrees in, like, arts and, like, all these things. And it's, like, you get the option to do all that, and, like, it becomes difficult to spend that money. Like, it's not hard because, like, oh, I don't know which to choose. It's, like... I have so much money and I want to get rid of it, but I can't. <laughs> he probably has everything he ever needs. Like, imagine shopping. Did you know that Jeff Bezos is currently building a $500 million yacht? <laughs> On that note, thank you for listening to <laughs> I have no words. Like, I... A five... Half a billion dollar yacht, like... This man is living in GTA 5. Oh, He's playing GTA 5 online. He's just buying a $500 yacht. It, I, hold on. When you look at the stats on this thing, 500 billion, or not billion, my bad, million, you know, big difference. Actually, big yeah. difference there. But still. Um, yeah, a $500 million mega yacht. Um, guess what it comes with? <laughs> Oh, goodness. There's a yacht inside of the yacht. Like, no, I'm, you're lying. I'm not. I'm not. I, I wish so badly. I, I wish so badly that he did not own a $500 million super yacht. Um, but it is. And because of his investment in it, it's supposed to actually open like a new market just for like mass yachts. Um... It makes me feel kind of sick. <laughs> it makes me feel ill. It's 417 feet, um, which is 127 meters. Um, which means it's like, is that an accurate estimate right there? Yeah, it's half the size of the Titanic, for those of you who are curious. Half? Only half? Yeah, I mean, $500 million only gets you half of the Titanic, but with, like, a billion times the luxury inside. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm, like, I'm just bothered by it. Um. Just a bit. Just a, just a little bit. I'm, like, I'm totally normal, but this makes me feel dead inside. It's, like, it's great, you know? Feel inadequate. Like, that's the thing, like, the amount of money that Jeff Bezos has is, like, more than our combined families would have mm. going back, like, a hundred generations. <laughs> Definitely. Like, it is ridiculous, the amount of money there. Like, oh my god. I'm just, I'm just looking at, like, 
super yachts right now. And the Luna $500 million yacht is 114.2 mm-hmm. meters. Um, it comes with a swimming pool, a spa, a room for 18 guests, two heliports. Um, it has a crew of 50 and has nine decks. Each lifeboat on board costs $4 million each. And they can also act as VIP transport. Yeah, the, the lifeboats, uh, you know, the ones that used to just be like wooden boats with like paddles. Yeah. Um, it has 10 VIP guest cabins at over 100 square meters each, uh, which I'm pained because that is 10 times the size of my dorm. Uh, <laughs> and that's just one of the rooms. Uh, a 20 meter outdoor swimming pool nine decks, a large outdoor entertaining area, eight tenders, a mini submarine, and a crew 50. It has an anti-missile system, bulletproof windows to VR9 plus levels, a steel hull over 17.5 centimeters thick, LRAD guns, bomb-resistant doors, FLIR? I don't know what F-L-I-R is. Um, I'm guessing some sort of infrared thing. Um, an anti-drone system. Uh, four stabilizers, two quantum stabilizers, and two, two fin stabilizers. I'm going to pretend that I know what any of these It has seven diesel electric generators, uh, providing a total output of over 15,000 horsepower. Uh, it has a stern thruster jet providing dynamic position within an accuracy of 40 centimeters. Um, and it has a million liter fuel tank that's over a thousand tons, uh, enabling a cruise of over 9,000 nautical miles. This makes me want to vomit. <laughs> this makes me feel ill. I am sick. <laughs> I'm going to keep clicking through these because these make me go insane. Um, I don't even know what to say. I'm just... Like, this amount of decadence is just, like, overwhelming. I don't know how to, like, process this, you know? Yeah. But, like, um, it doesn't serve a purpose, right? Where it's, like, you have historically ocean liners, right? So the Titanic, the Olympic, the Britannic, those ships, right? Mm -hmm. And they serve the purpose of transporting people across the ocean and like a lot of people like relatively quickly and like you had cunard and white star line and they were like doing the whole thing right but like it served an ultimate goal and that was like bring people across the planet the same way that airplanes do now right but like what does (laughs) what does a super yacht um with 52 crew that's half the size of the Titanic and has, uh, you know, anti-drone and anti-missile systems on board. What's, um, what purpose does that really serve for anyone? None. Because, like, even a cruise ship, even a cruise ship has a goal. Why would you need a yacht that has bomb-resistant doors? I don't know. Like... And 100 meter, like 100 square meter rooms. I think square meter, was that square meter? Yeah, square meters. So it's 100 square meters, 
Wow. I'm hurt. That's a lot. I'm just... I'm like, I... I don't have words. Actually, in retrospect, 100 square meters. Actually. Actually, doing some doing some math. That's 10 meters by 10 meters. Okay, fair enough. That is the size of my dorm. That's okay. I can accept that. Um, actually, no, it's not. No, it is not. Hold on. Because <laughs> I know damn well my dorm is not that big. Wait a minute. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, my dorm is not that big. I'm thinking 100 square feet. It is... Yeah, it's 9 meters squared. So yes, I was right originally. It is 100 times Wow. <laughs> I hate my life. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, go us. I'm just... Could you imagine if we could record this podcast on a $500 million yacht? Could you imagine just being that rich that you're like, you don't care that the world's ending $500 yacht? No, I, I, could, I could not. <laughs> Like, I could forget about homophobia and let the world burn. Like, I'd be like, fuck the gays. For real. I'm on a $500 million yacht drinking champagne. Like, I do not care. I would become a Republican. Oh my goodness. You would hate your own people? I would become Blair White. And or, oh my god, what's the, what's the one, the gun girl? What's her name? She's so forgettable. Oh, the one who... Sh- who the one who shit me. her pants, and the one who has, like, a gay boyfriend. <laughs> yes. Oh, the one who carries around the AK... The AR-15. Get it right. <laughs> the AR-15. <laughs> oh, Kat- what's her name? Bennett? Something... Caitlin Bennett, I think. Oh. <laughs> um, also, thinking about Ben Shapiro... I wow. <laughs> I would just like to note that both of us historically are debate kids. And I will admit, me and me and G Man himself could throw hands, right? Um we need to bring him on as a guest at some point in the podcast. But but Ben Shapiro still to this day makes me angry because he debates in the same way that kids from a school that I will not name here would debate against us. And it was so annoying because you could tell that they learned, like, the same thing. It's like, you just overload people with false information. They're, like, having to be like, no. And then you just pile on more and pile on more and pile on more. So they spend the whole time just... They're just deconstructing instead of actually building up their case. So then... I don't know. I... I hate Ben Shapiro. And I stand by that with, like my entire mind and soul (laughs) like oh my god and the way that like i would not be shocked if the person who wrote the email would have like attached ben shapiro at some point which like he didn't so like good for him maybe but like i'm still not happy (laughs) but yeah so recap uh strange letter that we got that causes us to put the shelf Put the shelf? Wow. Put the script that we had for this episode on shelf for an indeterminate amount of time, which is anywhere between, uh, like, four days. Uh, what now? Three months? Five months? We've gone... We've had some big breaks. Um, 
so that that letter kind of threw us for a loop. But if you're feeling the need to completely derail our lives again with personal trauma and or um, dead parents, I guess, feel free to email us at berengiapodcast at gmail.com. That is B-E-R-I-N-G-A. I-A? I-A. My bad. I can't spell. This is why you always do this segment. <laughs> and this is why I always end it. B-E-R. I-N-G-I-A podcast at gmail.com Feel free to throw us some stories. Um, up next, we have a couple different things in the docket. Get around mm. to, hopefully. Uh, but we will not put any dates because the moment we put a date, that project will never come out. The episode that we put a date on following episode one, I'm pretty sure it got destroyed. Um, so yeah, we have a great system. Uh, would also like to note we are using new editing software because Audacity, which is what we originally turned out to be Russian spyware, we cannot win. <laughs> we cannot win. What's um, the point of winning? Uh, what's the point of winning? Not having our podcast's private information stolen by Russians and or advertisers, because the last thing I need is for Amazon to be recommended. I don't know. I guess it is. What recommendations so. would we get based off of the email that we got? Trump flags? <laughs> DIY okay. lynch kits? I don't know. You could probably get a couple different. Probably. Um, but yeah. Uh, with that, I am also happy to announce that I should be able to continue hosting with uh, the Germany stuff, which I talked about all this in an episode that we did not air. So mm-hmm. recap real quick. I'm doing college over in Germany for the next four years, which is daunting. Uh, I just took out a lease on my dorm for the next year and a half, which that might have been a mistake, but I will not think about that. Then I will get uh, anxiety about it. Uh, It cost me $770 because the deposit was insane. But you know what? It's cheap per month, so it's fine that I feel broke. Um, But yeah, I'll hopefully be able to keep hosting. And I don't know about you. What's your state for the future of the podcast? My state for the future of the podcast, uh, as of yesterday, which was my birthday, we turned 18. Woo! Um, she's no longer a minor. Yeah. As of yesterday, uh, I am officially financially and uh, health cleared to go on my campus. So on August, in August, early August, I will be able to do my move-in date and do orientation. And I'm going to be in... New Orleans, Louisiana, baby. That's crazy. I'm so proud of you. (laughs) Uh, Oh my god. I think our last interaction in person was at an IHOP like three years ago. (laughs) I think I cried. (laughs) Yeah, you cried inside of an IHOP, which was it's the most debate kid thing you possibly could have done. At least it wasn't a Denny have that on yeah. i mean i confessed i confessed my love to someone in ihop too so what you will with that information my people i think we just need to stop going to ihop yeah it, it may <laughs> just be the ihop problem <laughs> anyways um so yeah podcast production i said that we were back last time we both were like we're back and then we were not back uh so mm-hmm. you know what we're around for sure yeah uh, we have a TikTok now, as well as a Twitter, neither of which yeah. have anything on them until this episode gets posted. 
Um, and then, of course, we have our email, as always. Um, yeah, I don't know. We are we're working diligently. As you also probably noticed, we have a new intro, and we also have a new outro, so stick around for that at the end. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that wraps up this episode. It is, it's great to be recording, as always, even though we don't do it as often as we could. Um, but yeah, we are, we're busy. Life is hectic right now. Insane. 